Welcome to another episode of Don't Make This Weird, the podcast. This is episode 15. Um, after this episode, there is just one episode left in series two. Uh, my guest this week is an author, a gamer, and one of my favorite people from across the pond. Please welcome Andy to the show. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm fantastic, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Holding up. Don't have COVID, so that's good. <laughs> I think that's pretty much the um, the barometer for how everybody is. Yeah, I think I'm like one of the two people in the UK that don't have COVID, so I'm quite happy. So on this podcast, uh, we do love a good origin story. So tell us, superhero, where you come from. I come from Hull in the UK, which isn't near London. And um, it, it's, uh, it's known for um, unemployment, vague racism, um, voting Brexit. You know, just light little quips like that. Um, yeah, I, I just, I've just kind of bumbled along in my life and turned into this. I think I'm some bohemian creative that is running by my own rules, but I'm, I'm very, very poor and very sad, and just occasionally write. Um, I am known for saying my book will be done this year and not doing it. Um, I'm known for really bad taste memes, but isn't every millennial? Um, yeah, I. That my origin story is just I was born and I grew up like <laughs> one remarkable man. Um, yeah, I just yeah that that's basically it. And now I'm here, zooming with you, my love. Yay. Yeah, so nice so, to get some quality time away from the kids. Right. Yeah. So tell everybody about um, the book that you've been promising for as long as I've known you. Um, <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> sorry, that, that wasn't well, meant one... to be a dig. That was... <laughs> well, once upon a time. Um, I had an idea for a book and I thought it was really good and I wondered why it came from me. So that's basically why I started writing because it was something I thought was very good. Um, my, right, my story is about um, the idea that the seven sins are based on real people and um, they seemingly become friends at random and guided by an enigmatic woman and a crazy homeless person, they discover that they are the human form of sin. And a nihilistic death cult uh, has been trained from birth to kill them because they think they're the personification of virtue. So it's kind of, I just like the idea of um, some people saying, to you randomly one day, oh, we're going to kill you. And I'm just kind of going from that. It's um, it's very surreal, uh, weird, um, very deadpan. It's, the beta reader said it was catty as fuck. So um, it's very sarcastic, cynical. It's it's less about what you believe in. It's, there, it's less about what you believe in, more what you do to survive, kind of. I like to think it's it's like a very it's a comedy supernatural uh, like thing like a, a dark comedy thing and it's just born from me and it's very much me in a book and I've written it it's just I'm editing it and that's very hard so <laughs> um, yeah that's that's the book at the minute where it is and what it is it's called debauchery because it's my favorite word and um, it just summed up something very biblical that I've kind of grounded in present day reality. So that's where a lot of the humor comes from, I think. And uh, that, and I have very low tolerance for people. So um, there's a lot of 
random shit in it. So it's just popular culture based. We'll say that. Um, yeah, now, that, that's it. That was the condensed synopsis. <laughs> now, if I if I remember correctly, it's it you're you're planning on a series, right? Oh God, I am, but this is a life goal. People need to remember. Um, I I started on the sequel. Um, so this is part, uh, I've done part one. I'm writing part two. Um, in part one, it covers um, pride, gluttony and envy. And then there's greed, lust, sloth and wrath in the sequel. So it it's kind of the there are kind of seven main characters in a way, but I've decided to do it episodic almost. So in the first book, you go through the lives of three people and the story will travel through them. And that was kind of the only way I could tame it. It's very difficult. So, and they're all horrible people. So like, I've got to, mm, uh, yeah, it's a series. So there's part one and two of this, and then I have a trilogy and a trilogy. And I won't go into them because there's, too much but but if I can publish them before I die I'm pretty decent like yeah I have stories to tell and I will get them out there okay all right yeah (laughs) yeah um so was was writing something that you always wanted to do or was it just kind of the idea came to you for these books and you were just kind of like okay I have to do this now yeah like writing was never on my radar like I was good at English and stuff like that you know at school but it was um I wanted to be a teacher for ages um like a primary school teacher because I remember uh school was very difficult for me like secondary school but primary school, I remembered very fondly. So logically to me, I, it was always, I wanted to go back to that environment. And I'm kind of also a big kid as well. And without sounding terrifying, I just like to, I would like to live vicariously through children. Like, you know, it'd just be fun. Like it's a fun, to me, it'd be fun and fulfilling to kind of teach some kids some stuff. But um, yeah, I essentially got the idea for writing and thought, this is something and I've never really felt like that so uh a lot of what I taught on the craft of writing what I learned on the craft of writing it was self-taught so I mean my book is a ridiculous surreal deadpan popular culture thing but it's still uh, something I'm very passionate about and very it's very professional stupidity kind of like I have so much planned and it's just it's one of those things where um, I was passionate I'm just so passionate about this like even when the world falls down I just think just write it'll be all right just write and I've never had that so I say I'm a writer because I've written a book but like I think it's just something that's infected my personality and now I have to write them before I die because no <laughs> one can tell them so um yeah that's that's that um who who are the who are the writers that you would say have um influenced you as as a writer um I like F Scott Fitzgerald so um my favorite book is The Great Gatsby and it because it's kind of an analysis on bad people and it's something of its time but it became classic with mine I'm not really looking for it to be classic I'm looking to just make people laugh and that's it like I don't I don't care if it's not remembered I just want something that is essentially me and if it's as temporary as I will be I don't really care it's just I did the thing I'll write on my epitaph he actually published the thing so like it's just yeah Gatsby it sounds weird because it's so far removed but Gatsby has inspired that uh like F Scott Fitzgerald his writing style with his books is very flowery and romanticized obviously like being a giant emo I love things like that like I love romanticized I love really happy things really sad things it's 
I'd say F. Scott Fitzgerald has been an influence and also um, Lemony Snicket because um, even though they're very different, but uh, that kind <laughs> of introduced me to dark humour. And like as a kid, I've always been into dark or horror. Like I grew up reading Goosebumps books and then it was Lemony Snicket and then it was just massive horror films. But Lemony Snicket has this really dark sense of humor to it. And I and the look, it's so whimsical and theatrical and odd and off and askew. So I'd say, despite them being so horrifically different, like that's what my book is, and that's what's influenced my writing the most. It's the romanticized. Uh, like romanticized scenes very dramatic and very big and um, extravagant and theatrical but also underlaced with the cynicism and deadpan sarcasm that I just live for I love it that's what that's essentially what it is uh, now you you said that you were you were a big fan of um, horror films what are your top three horror films of the last 10 years? 10 years? What's 10 years? 20, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. When will time slow down? Um, yeah. Uh, hereditary, for sure. Because, like, it, oh, God, it was just so, I don't even know if I could watch it again. It was just so visceral and raw and the the it was like part like dealing with grief and then horror film and the dealing with grief hit me harder than the horror it was just a, a horrific emotional show to me i love hereditary um the evil dead remake in 2013 because it was a gore fest and a different take on the evil dead it, it kind of lost the camp and turned into horror and i I just love it. It's so dark and horrible and brutal. And let's see. Don't know. I'm, I've got a lot of horror films next to me. I'm trying to look. Oh, I'll say Malignant that came out last year because um, it was the only film I saw at cinema because, well, they were open, but like COVID and stuff. So uh, I saw Malignant and it was just above letter to 90s horror and it was ridiculous and very weird body horror and I love that people went in expecting this very serious uh, Conjuring-esque kind of film and got this industrial grunge 2003 kind of clusterfuck and I, I'm obsessed with it so I'll say that one as well. I, I fucking love Malignant. I, I oh my god, it. yes. Yeah. It's one of those where people really don't get it or they completely love it. And I'm team malignant forever. Like the fight in the PlayStation, holy shit. Like yeah. just insane. Just perfect. Love, love. Yeah, I, I got th I got through the whole thing and like I'm I was sitting there going, what's happening? What what's happening? And then the credits rolled and I got up and I went. That was fucking fantastic. Yeah, like the credits, we were. I was like silent with my friend and I was like, what have we just witnessed? And then by the time we left the cinema, we're like, this is the greatest thing I've seen in so long because it's just insane. Like I was like, people are like, oh, what is it about? I was like, just, just going blind. I don't want to ruin it. Like it's yeah. insane. It's unhinged. So I just love it. It's perfect. I just love it. So do you think that as a fan of horror movies that maybe you would one day write your own horror film? I would love to write a horror film or book, but it's um, the, the last third of my book is actually, it descends into a horror moment. So, and I'm really happy because I wrote a comedy horror moment. And I mean, comedy and horror I can do like com it's a funny book uh, I write co I class myself as writing comedy um but it's uh very difficult to write a comedy horror to have something so horrific and then try to make it funny um but it I'd say it already has influenced my writing because a lot of what I deal with is biblical I decided to turn it into the occult as well 
So at the end of my book, there's a comedy horror chapter that I'm incredibly proud of because, yeah, um, it's in a very dark, the end of the book is very dark. And I've just made this storyline to do with just a demon. And the it's kind of about a demon being summoned, but uh, how a real world person would go about it, trying to inject logic into it. A lot of that's where the humour comes from. So I'm very happy with how it's ended up. Um, I'd say it's definitely, horror is definitely influenced by writing already. So I would love to write a horror book. I just wouldn't know what about. It would just have to be something so horrific. Like, just absolutely disgusting. If people went fainting or throwing up or feeling ill, like, I just wouldn't write it. It'd have to be something completely repellent. Like, that. no, I will not settle. It has to be horrible. So something, something along the lines of, like, human centipede is, or is that... Or is that shooting too far? I love, no, I love the human centipede. It's so stupid. But um, yeah, uh, it depends. Like, because I, I I earn one and three. I don't earn number two because <laughs> I watched number two and I was like, oh my God. But um, yeah, like, I think, yeah, I'd say human centipede, but like good acting, you know? <laughs> like, they were better when they were sewn together. Changed my fucking mind. Like, my God, it just the uh, hypothetically eating shit is obviously your lane, love. Like, it isn't acting. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be kind of human centipede, but with it maybe a bit more plot, brains, decent script. <laughs> like, um, but still body horror and gross. Yes, definitely. Why not? So, so we could we could potentially look forward to the smart man's human centipede from you. Yeah, the human millipede. Yeah, just why not? Yeah. Um, so we have um, come to the part in the show where I take a deep dive into my email inbox and pull out a letter from a listener. Um, for those of you that are new to the show, uh, this happens in every show. Uh, I wait until the day of to um, pull the listener letter. So this week's listener letter comes to us from Alex in Houston, Texas. Hello, Alex. Thank you for listening to the show and thank you very much for writing in. Andy, Alex says America got rid of Trump why does the UK seem to be holding on to Boris Johnson um because a turd is very difficult to flush basically um there isn't any particular way to put it uh it's similar to Trump misinformation um there's people who Basically, there's a lot of rich people telling us we should be angry at immigrants instead of them. And a lot of people seem to believe it. Um, it's, I think it's something very deep at the core of the UK, um, where the newspapers, especially, and I know America is now kind of aware of how bad the newspapers here are because of Meghan Markle and stuff like that, um, how she was treated. But uh, a lot of it, I'd say is misinformation, corruption. It's just Boris has really opened the door to kind of, it feels like a free for all. So while we're here, um, we all sit at home and we kind of wonder how much are they getting away with? What are they doing? It's very scary. Um, they're not going after particular groups. It's just, they keep getting away with things. And whenever there's been a problem on Boris's cabinet, like the the team he has assembled, um, usually it's something horrific. And Boris will say that he has every faith in them and uh, he's putting the matter to rest. So they essentially get away with it. He's in hot water at the moment. If uh, he, He's probably going to go in the next few weeks. Uh, I was going to ask if the, um, the garden party scandal would be enough to um, enact a vote of no confidence. 
Um, as far as I know, they're doing the vote of no confidence, but it's just... I think after going on 12 years now of conservative rule, we're all just very disenfranchised. We're all very tired. Um, British people aren't known for um, being proactive. So we're not going to be in the streets like Lim is. We're not really going to be like that because British people love to complain. So uh, it's it's very tiring. Um, the scandal at the minute with the party, um, not even the media can kind of defend this one. They give very watered down opinions. Like um, I am very anti-conservative. Like I hold them in contempt and that's all they deserve because they, it, it's horror. The things that have gone on, it's, it's disheartening. Um, and obviously I know maybe now that America has had Trump and gotten through that, it's embarrassing. It's deeply, deeply embarrassing when you see him, when you watch him talk, I can't look at him. He's a clown and people laugh at him um, and he does it on purpose. I think that's what people don't understand. He doesn't mind if people laugh at him. Like I've watched my partner watches a lot of the shows with all of them. Like, yeah. And they all laugh at his hairstyle or they laugh at how he presents himself and how untidy he looks. But that's what he wants. He's a very dangerous person because while you're laughing at him, you kind of give him a free pass. And a lot of people in the UK used to do that before he was prime minister. But he's essentially someone who's gone to... Um, a private school or what you'd say public school and he's been raised with the idea that because he has money he's better than everyone and he needs to be prime minister he deserves a position of power he doesn't he's inept he's he's ridiculous and I, this thing will this party will hopefully boot him out but it's one of those things where um it, it might pass, but so much has happened. I think it's on shuffle at this point. Can they get away with it? Or like, will this be the thing? Um, and I mean, he always compared himself to Churchill apparently. And it's laughable. It, it's He's grown up with delusions of grandeur. Um, he believed he had to be prime minister. He wanted to be like Churchill. And I'm sure he wanted the position of prime minister, but he obviously doesn't want to do the job. So it's very, yeah, I hope this party is enough because um, I watch the news occasionally when, and it's depressing, but there are people coming out saying that they had 20 minutes for their dad's funeral. Um, and Boris had more time to get his booze for the pre-drinks at this party on the same day. And it's, it's that, it's the contempt for the public that because they've got money you know they're in that bubble where they don't care and the UK is a job it's a business it doesn't hold people and there's a lot of confused disenfranchised people because the conservatives control everything they control the papers they control a lot of the media so you're told that when someone like Jeremy Corbyn came along who offered change it's just oh he was he's into anti-semitism he does all this he does all that and People buy it because people think Facebook and YouTube are where truth is and it spreads. And obviously with Trump, I think people can um, account for how quickly misinformation can spread. And people think that it's truth just because a lot of people have believed it or passed it on. It isn't a case of you say it over and over and it's true it's still misinformation. Uh, the word scientist has become a bad word lately and it's scary. Um, so I, I'd say that please don't judge the UK's inaction on Boris as some kind of laziness or that we actually want to live like this. It's, it's a very complex issue of a lot of people are disenfranchised and have been fed misinformation so it's about getting those people out of that and getting them active to protest the mess that they've made the, the UK is an embarrassment at the minute especially since Brexit so I know I've kind of 
gone on. But politics is very, yeah, it's horrible. It's just horrible. We're an embarrassment and we're not what people believe we are. We're not, we're not sensible anymore. We're not anything. It's, it's stupid. We're all absolutely thick. And it's very difficult for normal people to accept that. So, yeah, it's all of, all of that. That was a very long answer. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That was, that was good. That was, um, so assuming that um, Boris is given the boot, in, in your opinion, um, do you think that there is a chance that the UK re-enters the EU? Um, I'd say that it's one of those things where we need to look at our own mess before we kind of do anything. So I think there's a lot of people who want to rejoin the EU, but there's the British passiveness come into play, whereas we've left and we've got different fights now. So I would like to be part of Europe just because of the benefits and the sense of community that you would get with linking with so many countries. But yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's, It's nationalism, a lot of nationalism and people living vicariously through World War II, like you do realize you weren't there. Like, (laughs) what have you done? Do you want to get a personality, please? Like I, Singing rule Britannia won't get us a better income. So, you know, like, I think I would like us to rejoin, but that's me. A lot of people, people have so many different opinions, like people who want it to stay now we've left may not be bothered because there's no change to them. It all depends. Like, it's very difficult for people to want change when their lives aren't kind of difficult. Whereas I'm, I'm very, um, I have a lot of empathy towards everything. And I always have, I've been very sensitive. So if there's something difficult, I would, um, I would at least try to at least the minimum I could do is vote in what I feel is correct, kind of. And um, one last uh, political question uh, before we move on. Um, Mm. what is, um, because I know, I know what the feeling is, um, here in America, uh, because we have, we have adopted, um, Prince Harry as our own. Um, he belongs to us now. Um, but (laughs) I, I I know what the feeling is here. Um, but I kind of want to get an idea of what the feeling about um prince andrew facing charges oh no oh god okay um i don't know if i can say it the word but is that and people need to sit down and shut up and start saying it like that he's um i think it's good that things have come out but he'll buy his way out of it. Uh, he's lost some titles from the Queen, apparently. Um, so he's not known as his Royal Highness anymore. But I I think it's one of those things where we know there's plenty of those people in the upper echelons of society and they're always going to get away with it. And um, the thing with Jeffrey Epstein and is it uh Ghislaine Maxwell um they can have all this stuff but uh, the UK's we we've kind of adopted the idea that Prince Andrew is a paedophile basically and we carry on this (laughs) um yeah because he is and the, the media don't say it the media dance around it um I look forward to them distracting us with another royal scandal when Boris is due to be booted. Um, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, the, the UK is not Team Prince Andrew because uh, I think universally, even the most disenfranchised 
misinformed person knows that um, assaulting young girls or boys or people is generally frowned upon. So um, yeah, whether you were vote leave or vote remain, we all hate Andrew. Um, okay, so I, I lied. I, I do have uh, one more sort of political question. Um, Go on. Does the monarchy die with the queen? Ooh, um, I don't know. I'd say, who's after? Oh, it's Charles. Oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> holy shit. Um, I don't know. Like, um, I'd say because the Queen has been around for so long, um, even if people think that we should abolish the monarchy because it's outdated, um, the Queen is still seen in such warm regard, especially with the scandal with Meghan Markle and everything. Um, the British are very aware, even if they don't like Meghan Markle or the Harry thing, um, that the Queen was nice. And she's seen as this very warm character and she's seen as kind of the last traditional thing, really, in the UK. When the Queen dies, there'll be a lot of, we haven't really crossed that boundary because everybody, in, has just known the queen for so long she's celebrating a platinum jubilee at some point maybe like this year, 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 next year. It, yeah like it, it's a lot but i'd say with charles taking the throne i don't think the monarchy will die it'll just radically change and maybe not with charles charles would be like an echo of the queen maybe but when um william and catherine take it that's when the monarchy will either become modernized or fail i'd say because um in comparison like catherine and the queen or william and the queen are just incomparable really like the way they see things and do things and i think it's needed a modern mind would be needed after the queen because it'll die otherwise it won't last okay so we have now come to the part in the show where we play the random question game. I have 15 just completely random ass questions in front of me. Um, you ready to play? Okay. Sure. Let's All right. What was your first job ever? My first job ever was working at a supermarket. And it was just in retail and I worked on in the frozen section of a supermarket and I was cold all the time. And that was it. <laughs> I was so cold. What is your guilty pleasure? Um, I like those American programs that are like pure testosterone. So the things that are filmed like they're meant to be extreme, but it's just kind of cooking, you know. Like, there's one about barbecuing, and that's it's like fantastic. every one of our reality shows is like that. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, like it's like the great American barbecue something or great. I don't even know it. It was on Netflix, and I found it. And there's another one where they forged in fire or something, and they make swords and axes, and I'm just. It's like masculinity to me is just a job. So like, I I just, it's kind of guilty because I buy into this hyper-masculine, like the world's strongest man. I just love it because I'm a gay and I like men. So <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'll just watch masculine things. Like watch this giant beefcake just cook fucking... 20 million pound sirloin steak on a grill for like an hour and I'll watch it. Yeah. My mind will rot, but who cares? <laughs> Muscles. If aliens uh, landed on Earth tomorrow and offered to take you with them, would you go? Um, no, I don't think so. I'd politely decline because I'm British. But um, <laughs> no, thank you. You have tea bags, you know, like <laughs> just I, I don't fit many British stereotypes, but tea. I need tea to live. And what if this moon doesn't have any tea? It's just, yeah, my concern isn't tea. It's leaving everyone I know, you know, that'd be sad as well. <laughs> but yeah. Um, 
yeah, I wouldn't want to leave all familiarity. I think it'd be weird and I could go way into pondering this, but no, I wouldn't. Okay. Um, just out of, out of my own curiosity, um, what is the best brand of tea? Yorkshire tea. Okay. Yorkshire tea. Not because I'm from Yorkshire, but it's just the rest of tea tastes like shit. Sorry. But <laughs> like, I like PG tips and I like, as long as it isn't Thai food tea, that tastes like shit. I don't like that. It gives me headache. Anyway, you know what kind of tea I like, so sleep well. I, I will. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. If you could commit any crime and get away with it, what crime would you pick? Murder. The government. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I don't know. A crime? I'd probably like rob a bank if I could get away with it because I need money. Like, and that's kind of it. Like, I wouldn't hurt anyone, but I would rob a bank if I knew that I could successfully rob it and get away with it. I wouldn't, I have no desire to hurt anyone. I don't want to cause any discomfort. But at the same time, if I could just go into a bank and take all the money and leave somehow, I'd I'd be all right then. Um, yeah. yeah. I'd say that. Bank robbery, why not? So this... This next question may be like super American, um, but I'm going to go with it because it's, it's on the list. Um, Whitney or Mariah? Oh, Whitney. Okay. Um, that is the correct answer. Uh, I'd say like Whitney because um, I don't know. I mean, Americans have like the American sweetheart thing, don't they? Like obviously Mariah isn't an example. But like the, the the facade of that, like I know Mariah, how big a deal in America Mariah is. Um, my favorite Christmas song is All I Want for Christmas Is You, if that helps. But I just don't like anything else she's done. It's too American. Just I'm not with R&B that much, like American R&B. I'd say, um, who else? Ariana Grande. I, I think she's like American sweetheart-esque and people are obsessed with her, but I just, it's a bit too R and B. I don't like that. So I'd say Whitney because power ballads. You know why not? <laughs> um, is there is there like a British equivalent to Whitney and Mariah? Um, well, we did have. Um, I'm, my mind is blanks, but we had Cilla Black, and, and America were maybe no. Like obviously, there will be Americans who do, but. Silla Black was such a national treasure as she sang during the 60s. Um, I'd say we hold her to the same regard. Like, well, she died, but um, she was such a well-known singer in Britain and she represented kind of the pinnacle of a British kind of dream, kind of just someone virtually, virtually unknown and started singing. And I'd say Silla Black, but... There's probably hundreds of examples that I can't think of. So, yeah, I'll say that. Silla Black is a good example. Um, I, I am an American who knows who she is. Um, so. <gasps> Appreciate. If you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Um, I, I'm obsessed with the 1920s. So I would bring back flappers. Not that I would dress in drag, but New York in the 20s. There's just, if I could go back in time, it'd be New York in the 20s. Just Art Deco. Just, it was before the sadness, you know, just debauchery. Just obsessed with it. Like Gatsby. Just everything about it. Like decadence. Um, it's probably very bad for the environment, but the environment didn't exist back then. So like, <laughs> you know, it... It'd be flappers, that kind of era of clothes, just to see it, especially now we're in the 20s now and there are no flappers, just sadness. I'd, I I need flappers in my life. I just love sadness and COVID. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, coincidentally, um, that that is the most popular answer to this question. Really? Yeah. yeah. Look at you being on trend. 
Look at me being American. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I know the answer to this, but the listeners know. Night owl. Night owl. Um, I don't tolerate mornings. I see them when I have to, but um, I like nights because I've done night work and I also like writing at night. I wrote none of my book. None of my book was written before midnight. I wrote every bit of it in the AM because the world's asleep. I can focus. I have a lot of mental health, including very bad anxiety. It's the only time I feel I can focus when everything has stopped. But um, yeah, I, Night Owl, all the way. And my creativity can just blossom. It doesn't at the minute, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is a film that most people hated, but that you love just unabashedly? Malignant. Okay. That I'll is say Malignant. Because people really hate Malignant. They were like, this was just a train wreck. And I don't like it when people don't have a proper opinion. Like, I'm very much for discussing things. Um, and I love hearing about people who hate things I love. Uh, but if they don't have an opinion, like an actual discussion, they just discredit it. And I don't like that. I'm like, don't talk it down. Give me points, please, of why you didn't like it. Because I have points why I love it. But uh, Malignant is one of those incredibly polarizing films. Um, and I, I will die on the hill that it is the greatest thing, most insane thing. I have seen in a long time. I love it. Okay. What is the film that you could watch over and over again and never get sick of? Hmm. I like The Fifth Element. That's a fantastic film. Oh, so good. Like, the CGI is so dated, but it doesn't even take... It's such a good story. Like, if... um, it could be its own anthology. It could be a Marvel universe, you know, like, or equivalent. It, it's such a good package story in a film. Doesn't need a sequel. Doesn't need a reboot. It's just perfect. And I just, I love it. I know a lot of people don't like it, but it's so creative and it's so good. And it, it's just funny and entertaining and heartbreaking. And I love, and weird. It's just fucking weird. Like, yeah, quotable as fuck. Like, I love yes. things like that. God. If you were a superhero and mm. you could pick anybody in the world to be your sidekick, who would you pick? Um, well, I was going to say Betty White, but I can't now. Can you imagine? Um, I don't know. Who would I pick? I'd want someone completely off kilter to make things interesting because I'm very low energy chaos I'd need someone to be a sociopath like you know um sisters um (laughs) oh my god yeah no it'd probably be like I don't know Paris Hilton a Kardashian just why not fuck it (laughs) (laughs) that's fair that's fair except for Chloe I I just want to punch her I don't like her well, the way she changes her, her face, I wouldn't be able to tell who she was. Well, yeah. I mean, does she have a superpower already? Is she in the room with us now? Like, yes. who is she? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I am actually Khloe Kardashian. Um, I knew it. I had a suspicion, but... Star Wars or Star Trek? <laughs> Sorry. Um, neither. I am neither. Um, it would be. Oh, it would be Star Trek because I worked in a cinema, and the Star Wars fan base is the only fan base that is worse than the Marvel fan base. Um, like Marvel fan base, the people who live and breathe Marvel. I'm sorry, but I don't like you. Um, and I'd say Star Wars is the fan base is garbage and I don't like the films. I get the films. I like episode seven, eight, and nine, but as action films and that's it. 
Uh, Star Trek to me is a lot more harmless. I know it has crazy nerds as well, but Star Trek to me has always been more pleasant, kind of. Like there's something warmer about it. I think it's my family. They, my my dad was obsessed with Star Trek. So um, I'd say Star Trek over Star Wars. Um, other than All I Want for Christmas is You, what is your favorite Christmas song? Um, oh, Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson. Good answer. Oh, that dress she wears in the music video. <laughs> Fuck my life. Every gay just, like, no, I won't say that. But every gay is, like, so happy. Yeah, I love it. Underneath the tree, Kelly Clarkson. God, I love her. If you had an extra twenty dollars mm. um, to spend on yourself, and you had to mm. spend it on yourself, but you could not buy food, what would you buy? Oh. Um, I'd probably buy a movie, Sorry. like just. Um, I like physical things, so I like having a collection of things. I just buy a movie. Um, if it was a run, if it was a random twenty, I would just buy a random film that I've not heard of but wanted to see. And I'd say that would be good because you wouldn't be losing money either way, because you wouldn't have had that money, kind of. True. Yeah. Who is a celebrity that you would bring to a wedding as your date? Mm. I don't know. There's just so many of them. <laughs> like, oh, Olivia Coleman. I love her. Yeah, she's um, very much my sense of humor. She's kind of dark, but kind of... Um, sarcastic and just like oh like anxious aura like I just I love it because yeah it'd be Olivia Coleman she just made me laugh and last question mm. if you had to delete all but three apps from your phone which three would you keep um let me look at my apps well I'd keep Instagram because I like Instagram. Um, I like I like it more than Facebook because I can just kind of tap things. It's very visual. Yeah, I'd say that. Um, I don't know if I can say some apps. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck it. Um, I'd keep Recon. They have an app. It's just research. Yeah, I'd keep that. Um, yeah, and what else? Oh, there's a colouring in app, and it's really lame, but I turn into, like, a middle-aged woman when I'm depressed. So, um, yeah, I would, like, do that, and I would keep this colouring in app for when I'm sad. Okay. So, the final part of this show. Tell me a secret. Oh no. Um, oh, I the the secret was always that I write a book, but that's why I'm here. Like, um, no, you're here but, because I love you. The fact that you wrote so a I book is just a plus. Well, yeah. I mean, do I tell the secret? That's the thing. Um, <laughs> are they ready? Are they fucking ready? Um, yeah, why not? I'm a dom. I do BDSM and stuff. That's a secret. That's a good one, actually. <laughs> this deafening silence. Yeah, there's your fucking secret. <laughs> no, that's good because like most of the secrets have been pretty, pretty innocuous. Like there was, you know. Yeah, they're always like, like really beige, but mine is just like a, a brick wall. Um, yeah. Like yeah, said they don't like cheese. Um, they don't like cheese. Yeah, they don't like cheese. Uh, there was somebody who, um, I'm not going to name and shame. Uh, you'll have to go through the episodes. <laughs> I've gone through some. I'm working on it. 
there was uh, there was somebody who said that they've never had a hot drink in their life. Um, so that's uh, how are that's they weird. alive? I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, my, mine's mine's like juicy. Yeah, why not? I don't care. I'm up from whatever. So you may address me as such. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir, we have come to the end of the episode. So if you would like to um, plug something or if you would like to drop your social media handles uh, for the kids at home, you are more than welcome to do so right now. Yeah, so just follow me on Instagram. It's Andy should be writing and um, Andy isn't writing is Twitter because I just admitted defeat. Um, but yeah, Andy should be writing. I'm just on Instagram. So follow me on there. That's probably the best thing. Um, until I publish my book, my socials are very limited. So uh, that's the one I use most. So that's, that's the one Andy should be writing Instagram. Woo. Um, and you can also hear Andy on the second series of Your Life, the Mixtape. Um, full disclosure, we recorded that episode just before we recorded this one. Um, so be on the lookout for that in um, March. Well, Ooh. Andy, my love, thank you. Thank you so much for um, spending the last two and a half hours with me. Um, oh, my dream, my boat. <laughs> It's been a lot of fun, and we will have to do this again sometime. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll try not to ramble. Oh, you weren't rambling. It was fantastic. <gasps> yeah, it's bad. 